0: Today's Leading Women episode 419 with the wonderful Leora Farkovitz. Women all over the world,
1: get ready for inspiring and empowering interviews from women at the top of their field who are kicking butt in their business and who are prepared to share shocking revelations from being in the limelight. You are now listening to Today's Leading Women with Marie Grace Berg.
0: Yes, women of the world, let's get started. I am delighted to introduce you our amazing guest for today, Leora Farkovitz. Leora Farkovitz is a content developer writer, narrator, publisher, and marketing strategist dividing her time between New York, Nashville, Atlanta, and DC or District of Columbia. She guides business and academic professionals through their business and product development process with a very specific focus upon content marketing, content development, and content distribution strategies. Leora expanded expanded her content strategy marketing efforts by working directly with magazine and newspaper reporters to write stories about her clients' areas of expertise and to assist them by helping them establish themselves as industry leaders, publishing their articles in leading magazines. So women of the world, Ms. Leora Farkovitz, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. That was a great introduction. And um, you really articulated very well uh, a unique offering you know, that I have with my clients. Uh, many people are not familiar with what a content strategist is. Um, trust me, somebody else made up my title and I had to figure it out <laughs> myself. Um, I just kind of ran across it one time in a job ad and I was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I do for people. So um, a lot of people are familiar with paying for advertising in order to have people find out about their businesses or about themselves, and I think a lot of people are enchanted by the idea of appearing on television or in a magazine or newspaper, and they don't really understand how easy it is uh, to do. And one of the things that you do is there's um, a whole number of reporter databases from around the world. They're not just based in the United States. And what's happened is because, you know, we have 24-7 television and now there's all kinds of specialty channels that are available through, you know, Amazon or, you know, the Apple Networks or uh, Roku is the one I happen to use personally. Uh, You can create your own channel and you can do your own um, content, whether it's video, audio, like your podcast is an example of content development. Um, Anything that you write, you know, anything that you create that someone else is going to absorb as information is called content. So there are a lot of people out there that do content development. But what a strategist does is they figure out how to articulate your message and then how to match you with people who need content. And that's done through just sifting through thousands of reporter, editor, publisher, producer queries that come through every single day. So, um, Marie, I think you probably found me using this method, didn't you?
0: Yes, I do and uh, I love that you shared that one with us about it and then you just you're, you explain a little bit more for our listeners' sake what you do and what your expertise is because there's really uh, you know con- being a content manager, content strategist is really different and you really um, articulate the, that, that one with us. But what was that defining moment that you decided to do what you do today and what continues to inspire you as well?
1: Well, you know, I, um, I, I wanted to add one more thing about the content strategy, strategy about why it's valuable. Um, the metric for this is if you paid $1,000 for advertising, using content strategy as your method to get the word out about your business is 14 times more effective. So it's the same as if you had spent $14,000 on that campaign. And you don't have to pay someone like me $14,000, uh, you know, a month or anything or for a single time just to make that happen. People are used to thinking of uh, public relations as being hugely expensive. And this is sort of democratized, uh, you know, PR for small business owners. So, for instance, about in last year's time in 2014, I published about 25 articles or uh, training classes or interviews. Uh, that shared you know what I do with other people. And then it cost me around five thousand dollars to to source those article opportunities over a six month period of time. So, um I don't think that you really can get a more um, value drench opportunity than content strategy, and it's it's not all it's also not very well known. So you asked me what started me in this direction. Um, I had a software packaging company in the 1990s, and I specialized in working with software programmers and independent musical artists. It was about an 80-20 mix of software developers to musicians. A lot of my software developers were kind of, you know, they're geeky. They're usually engineers. You know, they're very linear in their thinking. And they also don't place a lot of value on marketing in terms of explaining to people what they do because they think that it's kind of obvious. And they also tend to uh, design products that are based on their own personal experience and they're not often very good at going to ask other people what they actually need, you know, from an end-user perspective. And they they sometimes develop software based on the capability of the software tool and not on what the end-user needs. So... A couple of times, you know, people would come to me and ask me to design a box and, you know, manual and diskettes and CDs. This is back when everything was very tangible. Um, and I would do this expensive project for them, you know, to develop their box and everything, maybe forty or $50,000 of design and, and printing, a lot of money. And uh, when they didn't do their due diligence and they didn't get the news out about their product or their company or why they were subject matter experts, in their field, then somebody bigger and with more resources would kind of, you know, come along and gobble up their idea before they really got to meet their dream. And it wasn't my responsibility to market their products, but it certainly made me feel bad for them, you know, when that happened. So I began this quest for, you know, how do I take these concepts, of a product concept, a business concept, or an expertise proposition and articulate it and spread the word. And so I had taken... um, That company, you know, had closed in 2001 and I had done a couple of uh, business development projects in the Atlanta area and was always sort of, you know, stuck with how am I going to get the word out. And I ran across this, um, this product called Help a Reporter Out that was developed by a guy named Peter Shankman. So if you don't know who Peter Shankman is or you've never, you know, learned about him, he is a wildly successful PR guru who um, is a very disruptive thinker. He has ADHD and he doesn't apologize for it. He, he thinks it's part of his magic and it probably is. And, um, so what he did is he kind of created this matching source of, you know, people who needed content and people who needed to get the word out that was uh, affordable. And, um, the thing you do when you're when you're trying to make this whole process work is say, for instance, um, you have a widget and there's ten potential stories you can tell about your widget, and there's a reporter who is kind of telling maybe seventy percent of the story you want to tell, and the other thirty is a little bit unrelated to what you want to do. What you do is you pitch your perspective on your story. It's called a pitch. That's the technical term for it, and you. Pitch to the reporter your version of the story and why that story is interesting to the reporter and how you're helping them develop content. And then if they're interested, then they call you back or they email you back and say, I like your story angle. Uh, will you help me develop the idea? And then sometimes you're asked to just interview. Sometimes you're asked to write the entire you know piece yourself. Um, sometimes you're asked to do an entire presentation and then give a training course, which Takes you fifty hours that you didn't think you were going to spend, <laughs> but, and I don't mind doing it, but I like to know what I'm getting into ahead of time, and um, that's that's how you do it. And then they they place you and they advertise your content. Um, you know, it's lead in for their show or their business. That's that's how it works, and that's how I got into it, and it just was so fun. I'm very competitive, and I like to win, and so every time I won a story, I thought it was you know grand fun. And I like to write, and I can write really quickly most of the time. So it was a good fit for me. And I'm able to smooth and understand people's angle and what they want to do and tell their story. So that's how I I got started doing this.
0: Yes, I love hero helper reporter out. I love those uh, content platforms that we have uh, nowadays that we can leverage to get our contents to get our message out there. Love that you share that one with us. But what are some of your personal qualities or personal traits that help you become a successful entrepreneur that our listeners can learn from?
1: Well, um, I think I think what happens to most people who you know have a have a dream. Um, you know, I I have a dream of something that I like to do. I started out my academic career wanting to be a social worker. I I really, truly wanted to save the world. But it wasn't feasible because Reagan had just been uh, elected and there were no social work jobs in the world. So I ended up going into computers. And uh, I like helping people, you know, realize their goals. It doesn't have to be that they're destitute and something is... You know, sad. It can be that it's their heart's desire and I'm helping them um, achieve their heart's dream. I really like doing that. I'm a, a really good problem solver. So when I get into the middle of a business or working with a subject matter expert, I really kind of get into their head and their heart and figure out okay, this is what they want, these are their obstacles, this is how we overcome them, how do we articulate? that story, how not just the story in terms of the, the verbal aspect of it, but what are all the different ways I can present that point of view? And that's where the content development is, you know, something handy to have a lot of different ways to do it. But also the strategy is what is the message that I want to tell? Um, you know, I I recently started working for a company called Loft Beds New York City. And this is a fairly new account for me. So when I started looking at, you know, what makes this business um, such a great idea, and it is a phenomenal idea, and the owner of Standard Hex is a pretty amazing guy. But right away, I started understanding that, you know, I live in a city where the average rent is $3,000 a month. I mean, most people don't spend that much money on, you know, their mortgage. And to move, you know, it takes like nine or ten grand, you know, to pay all the deposits and, you know, the fees and stuff that are related to it. it's really expensive to live here. And that apartment could very well be like a thousand square feet, which is not big. So if you do something like you take a loft bed, uh, the kind that, that loft beds NYC makes, and you... And you add 80% more space to that room, then you're reducing the cost of that rent tremendously and, and dramatically increasing your lifestyle. So articulating that value proposition, um, Alex, I'm in the process of writing an article right now and the, and the headline is, you know, the most valuable piece of real estate, you know, the most valuable real estate secret in New York is is their loft bed because of the value that it offers. And so I'll, A lot of times people want to loft it because it looks cool or because they want to put storage underneath it, but they're really not understanding the math behind doing that, that a little bit of money goes so far. And so that's part of how content strategy works, is that you you have a unique angle, and then you figure out how you're going to spread the news about that. So if I were going to pick my favorite publication in new york it would probably be time out new york so once that article is refined i'll figure out a way to send it over to time out new york and ask them to share that information or publish it up maybe on a real estate blog or something along those lines or different versions of it on a real estate blog mm-hmm. so how many different ways can i show value behind that product in a mathematical pragmatic way it's one of my approaches
0: Mm, All right. So helping people, being a problem solver, being creative or uh, knowing that value proposition, great personal qualities here that Leora just shared with us. And the good news is that we can all cultivate and adapt this in our lives. Now Leora, I'd love for you to share our listeners what have been some of the biggest challenges that you faced being an entrepreneur that our listeners can learn from.
1: Hmm. Well, um, you know, I think some of them are the ones that we all face. You know, juggling the demands of you know marriage and family against you know your business and financial endeavors. Um, you know, we all have to find a balance in that regard. Um, one of the one of the more challenging things that I think I face as an entrepreneur is that. Early on, I was about 29, so it's been about, I don't know, 22, 23 years ago that I first started, you know, my very first business. There was a lot of discussion about, you know, how there weren't very many women business owners and that we needed to, you know, kind of take the bull by the horns and get out there and, you know, really um, compete with men as as business owners. And every single story talked about, you know, how to write a business plan, how to execute a marketing plan, how to do, um, you know, cash flow projections, or, you know, they were very kind of, I mean, they're important skills to know, but they're a little bit simplistic because they don't really talk about what it means to, to be a business owner. When you create a business, that business cannot be your baby. Your baby is your baby forever, even if they're 80 and you're still alive, they're still your baby. But your business has to be a viable financial proposition if you get hit by a bus tomorrow. It has to have a value to it so that it can be sold. And that means that you have a really great product. It means that you have infallible processes that get that product out the door and invoiced and that you take care of all those different things that go into making that product. And it means uh, that you have great people that you can count on And that love to work for you, and don't want to go anywhere else, and don't want to steal your ideas. And so, a lot of businesses have, um, you know, one or two of those features, but not very many of them have all three. And so, I did not go into business, or in the early part of my career as an entrepreneur. My my entire career has been, you know, since I was, say twenty, you know, one or twenty two, and got out of college. But the last 20 or so years has been as, uh, as an entrepreneur. I did not go into that I- idea or concept of what is my exit strategy, and that's something a venture capitalist says all the time. I'm going to give you money, not because I'm you know, giving you charity, but I'm going to give you money to build your business so you're more successful and you can give me more money back. How am I going to get out of being an investor for your business? Most people don't understand that's why an investor can spend. They come in, they have a project, they want you to be successful, they want to go away. If you want more money, then you go back for round two or three or four in order to make that happen. Every time, understanding that every time you have an investment, it makes your business more valuable. Every time you succeed in your goal, it makes your business more um, independent in terms of its success. And your own exit strategy has to be a factor. So what are you going to do with that business? Are you going to sell it? Um are you gonna, are you gonna give it to your kids? I mean, I mean that's not really a good business proposition, giving it to your kids. But how is that business going to make money for you even when you're not a part of it anymore? So these were things that were not really talked about with women entrepreneurs early, early on. You know, like in the, um, you know, the late '80s or early '90s. So one of the things that happened was when I had the software packaging company. You know, the first year sales were like $17,000. The second year, um, you know, I think that sales were around maybe $400,000. And, you know, for a couple of years, it just grew astronomically until we were at about $2.8 million in sales. And then in 2001, um, when the stock market, you know, completely collapsed around the technology sector, uh, basically... I got up one morning uh, in May of 2000, and my business was worth around $4 million. And by noon, it was worth around $800,000. And at that point in time, I mean, I understood what my profit and loss statement were. I knew what a balance sheet was. I mean, I I knew these things, but I wasn't, you know, like comfortable diving off the high dive. I mean, I struggled a little bit with some of these concepts, even after I had been in business a while. And it wasn't until that stock market crash that I really began to understand finance um, and business in a more sophisticated way. It was kind of a trial by fire because I had to understand, you know, why I wasn't going to get all of my accounts receivable um, as a result of the stock market crashing. And even though I was a privately held company, I was working with a lot of other companies that had lost 80% of their value too. Um, Probably the smartest thing I couldn't have done on that day is to walk out on the assembly floor and said, you know, probably tears streaming down my face, I'm sure. I love you guys. It's been a wonderful run, but, you know, we're not going to be able to survive this fall. So I'm going to shut down, you know, before things are horrible. But I tried to save my business. I spent the next year trying to rebuild it in the same way that I had bootstrapped it from the very beginning. And it just wasn't a po- it wasn't possible and it wasn't feasible and there was nothing at all out there that would talk to me in a sophisticated way about being a business owner as a woman and how my emotional response was likely to be different because I had babied my business or what were the things that I needed to do to be uh, more prepared. Or what could I share with another woman who comes behind me about not being so emotionally attached to your business in the same way.'m I'm, I'm not saying that men don't get emotionally attached and have an emotional world. they certainly do. but I think that they have a lot more resources to understand what's expected to them of them as entrepreneurs and I think they have other things like you know it's, it's probably easier for them to get financing and stuff like that for their projects and uh, than it is for a lot of women. so, I decided, I mean, a long time, you know, that was a very painful story for me. And I and I felt a great deal of shame about having my, lost my business for, I don't know, probably two or three years. But today, the way I look back on that is that I couldn't have paid for that education in any school in the, in the entire world. And what I learned as a businesswoman then is preparing me to do much bigger deals, much more sophisticated articulation of what I want to accomplish, Um, I'm in an environment in New York City where, you know, like they say, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And um, I just had to be open and willing to doing whatever was necessary to make those deals happen. And I'm grateful today for that experience because I wouldn't understand how to protect myself and my business partners from risk today.
0: Mm, lots of takeaways with what you just shared out with us lots of lessons in those challenges that you have shared and the good thing is that when you are sharing our challenges and how we're able to overcome them we learn from each other so for our listeners out there when these challenges happens to you you now know how to deal with this because Leora just shared with us the lessons that she have uh, experienced with those challenges so thanks for sharing. Now, I know this is one of the areas that a lot of our listeners struggle with, and I myself struggle with, and this is in terms of maintaining a work-life balance. Can you share with us some of your tips on how to deal with this work-life balance in terms of your health, your family, your relationships, and your business?
1: Well, there's certain things that, uh, let's Let's just take, you know, my husband as an example, right? There are certain things that I do for him that equate love, right? It isn't really what I say to him so much. It's He's the person that, you know, responds to what I do, at, you know, acts of love and service, basically. So... If I manage to wake up before him and I go and make him a cup of espresso in just precisely the way that he likes it, now I could tell you he can do the exact same thing himself, but it tastes better if I do it. But, and it means to him, you know, that I love him if I go do that. Now, a lot of women would say, well, get up and get your own coffee, you know, but it isn't really, you know, anything except that I know that for him, that cup of coffee being prepared for him at 5 o'clock in the morning or 5.30 in the morning when I really don't have to be up means I love you to him. Or if he's running late, if I drive him, you know, to work so he doesn't have to find a parking space or something like that. I mean, these are things that, um, you know, I would at a certain point in my life have been like, you know, I'm a liberated woman, deal with it yourself. But I figured out, you know, somewhere along the way, that I can say I love you to him a million times a day, but it doesn't mean the same as that cup of coffee or that, you know, ease in his stressful, you know, morning commute, which can sometimes extend to an hour and a half, even though we only live ten miles away from where he works. So you know, I just try to always make time, no matter how busy I am, to do those kinds of things for him. Maybe not every single day, because I don't want it to be you know something that he takes for granted, of course. But I try to be mindful that he needs my attention, even if he never says it to me. And um, so, uh, you know, I try to I try to look for a way of showing the person that I love that I love them, and in, in the way that means that that uh, I love you to them, not the way that means it to me, because. It has to be meaningful to the person receiving my action or my statement or my gift or, you know, that kind of thing. So that's one of them. Um, you know, in some ways, you know, it's harder for kids. You know, kids have their own demands and they're not really as you know clued into you as you like to be. You know, in their lives and stuff, they're they're busy. Um, I just try to go, you know, with the punches for them, you know, whatever, (laughs) whatever gets thrown my way. I just catch it and, you know, kind of keep moving forward and keep the the focus as positive as as I can. Mm. And um, with my friends, it it is also to do with being attentive. You know, um, my friends remember my birthday. I try to remember theirs and do something special for them um, at that time. I try to help people achieve their dreams um, the same way, you know, that they helped me achieve mine. I have a really good friend um, that we have helped each other find work before and uh, really helped each other achieve a lot of our dreams over the years. And and our friendship was an accident of circumstance, you know. So uh, I just take those opportunities where I can to, to be able to give back in a meaningful way.
0: Yes. And then I think the main thing here that Leora just shared with us to really make conscious effort, to make time for those that are important to you, doing those small things to others, giving back. Um, those are things that we can do in terms of this work-life balance. So thanks for sharing those. Now, last but not least, Leora, share with our listeners what's one big benefit that they can get with your product or your service, where they can get it, and what's the best way that they can connect with you. And then we'll end from there.
1: Well, um, I have a website. It's just my name, leorafarkovitz.com. And um, a lot of what my website shows is the kinds of things I have written, the content for, the content development for. Um, I think there's probably some things on there about doing the organic PR or the content strategy that that talk a little bit about being able to do that. The best way to reach me is... um, by my email, which is leora at LeoraFarkovitz.com, or you can text me at 212-470-5441. We'll set up a time to talk. I'm very, very busy right now. I have a, a lot of clients that I'm taking care of things for, but I can, uh, you know, schedule you out maybe a month or so in advance to be able to talk with you about what you want to do and how to how to develop your project Sometimes what I do is I develop the strategy for someone and then I just put the pieces in place to keep things going and just stay, you know, in the loop. And um, so I'm doing a lot of that right now where I look at someone's business opportunities and what they're trying to accomplish and then start to develop a strategy. For me, the strategy is sort of like, um, I don't remember if you watched the Ed Sullivan show back in the 60s. But they used to have this plate spinner. He would come on every once in a while. And he had 12 sticks and he would spin these plates around. And he would get, you know, all 12 plates spinning. He would come back and keep them all spinning. And that's a lot of what I do is I figure out what your 12 plates are. And then we start to spin them. And then it's my customer's job to continue spinning them. And uh, we just get great people and great processes, you know, to stand behind that great product. And that's, that's how we function.
0: Alright, so that's Leorafarkovitz.com. I'll make sure to have this on our show notes, or you can reach Leora at Leora uh, at or through her number, text her at 212 470 5441 I'll make sure to have this on our show notes. And I highly encourage you, our listeners, to go there now, Leorafarkovitz with At least be on her newsletter so you can be updated on what she's putting out there. And if her products and services resonate with you, I highly encourage you to jump in. Again, the link is www.leorafarkovits.com. Leora, thank you so much for being so generous in sharing your time and your inspiring story, your expertise for being a role model to many and for bringing such a positive energy with our listeners today. Women of the world, including me, appreciate you and wish you more success in business and in your life.
1: And also to you. Thank you so much.
0: I really appreciate you inviting me. All right, TLW listeners. Did you love this episode? Here's your chance to recommend or vote for your favorite Today's Leading Woman. Here's how to do it. Step number one. After you listen to this episode, go to todaysleadingwomen.com forward slash my Step number two. Click the rate and review button. Step number three, say that you love listening to today's Leading Women podcast. Step number four, type in the name of your favorite today's leading woman. Example, Sheryl Sandberg of Facebook, Ariana Huffington of Huffington Post, Oprah of Oprah Winfrey Network. You get it, right? Step number five, type your first name and where you are listening from. Every day, I will personally go through all of your ratings and reviews and scour the names of your favorite Today's Leading Women. You will get to be featured as TLW Fan of the Day with your name and where you're listening from. And you'll be the first one to get notified when your favorite Today's Leading Woman is featured on the show. Fair enough? Awesome! Go to todaysleadingwomen.com forward slash my iTunes. That's